Welcome to the Semper Reformato podcast, spreading the word and contending for the faith. Text I want to draw to your attention is from Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 down to verse 17. Matthew 3, 13 to 17. In this wee study, I want to look at an, an encounter with the Lord Jesus at Jordan. I know we touched a wee bit about this last week. I want to examine this very interesting incident in the ministry of John the Baptist. So we start at verse 13. I'm going to break it up into three simple conversations. We're going to see John speaking to Jesus. And we're going to see Jesus speaking to John. And we're going to see the Father speaking about the Son. So John speaks to Jesus in Matthew 3 and verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized of him. I would say that must have shocked John. John had been baptizing at the River Jordan when this figure appears out of the crowd. A figure that must cause him to be totally staggered because who was coming down that hill into the water but the Lord Jesus Christ? He came from Galilee. We know that he'd been born in Bethlehem. We know that he, with his family, had to flee into Egypt to escape persecution under Herod. And we know that they came back and they stayed at Nazareth, a town in Galilee. And we know that they went every year to Jerusalem to worship, as was the custom. And we know that at the age of 12, the Lord Jesus was debating with the theologians in the temple. And now he's around 30 years of age. And he's coming to the River Jordan to be baptized by John, where John has been preaching, preparing the way. And he came with a purpose. Look what it says. It says in verse 13 that he came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized. He was coming specifically identifying himself with John's ministry. John had been foretelling the coming of the Messiah. Look at how John received him. Because John, seeing the Lord Jesus, and immediately admitted his own unworthiness, his own sinfulness. He wasn't worthy to baptize Jesus. Look at verse 14. John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me. Now think about that for a moment, this meekness of John's, because John up till now has been drawing great crowds to the River Jordan. He's an extremely popular figure. He's preaching to vast numbers of people 
His baptisms are going on constantly. People repenting of their sins and coming down seeking baptism. Crowds coming to hear him preach. He was by all accounts a very popular evangelist. You would think he would have a private jet in modern terms. You would think he would be on the television in modern terms. You would think that he would have some idea of his own importance in modern terms. And yet, when Jesus comes, when confronted with the Lord Jesus Christ, he is a humble servant who needs to repent. We are all, at best, unworthy servants. The closer we get to Jesus, the more acutely aware we will become of our own imperfections, of our own failings, the more that we will need to confess our sins. John Flavel, one of the Puritans, says, They that know God will be humble, and they that only know themselves will be proud. John obeyed, astonished as he was by the approach of the Messiah, convicted of his sin as he was despite his greatness. He obeyed the Lord. Verse 15, Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it be to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus speaks to John. And in that we see the purpose of Christ's baptism. Others were baptized by John in the River Jordan to indicate that they had repented of their sins, to show that they had turned from wrongdoing. But John's baptism was a token of the forgiveness of that sins. But Jesus didn't need that. In verse 11 of the chapter, if you just look back a little bit, he had already been saying, I baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Jesus had no sins to repent of. We touched on this last week. He was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. He was the author and the finisher of our faith. It was the Lord Jesus who made baptism possible. As we have learned from our catechism lesson already this week, baptism speaks to us of our cleansing from sin. It was Jesus who made that possible. He is the very basis of our salvation. He took our sin upon himself at the cross. He didn't have sin to repent of. But he makes it clear to us why he wants to be baptized. He says, For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. The righteousness of God is expressed in the law, the Ten Commandments. In the Old Testament, God required men and women to keep the law in order to maintain their relationship with him. Let's just think of the Ten Commandments for a moment or two. How many of them can you keep 
and even remember what they are. You shall have no other God before me, no idolatry, no blasphemy. Remember to keep the Sabbath day, honor your parents, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not tell lies, do not be envious or covet anything belonging to your neighbor. And bear in mind that even if you think all of those things or any of those things, you have sinned. We can never fulfill the law. Because the very minute that we thought we had fulfilled the law, we congratulated ourselves that we'd be prayed. Pride's a sin. You've broken the law. Because we can never fulfill the law, we can never have a relationship with God. But wait. Jesus has fulfilled the law for you. That's why he went to be baptized. In fact, he said in Matthew 5 and verse 17, Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. He came to live the life that you couldn't live. So he would die the death that you would have had to die. God could never remove the law. His demands for righteousness under the law are still there. They still apply. You still must keep the law, but because you can't keep it, Jesus has done what you can never do. He fulfilled every law of God for us, and we who receive his righteousness are free from the law. Of course, we must still obey the Lord, but our obedience for him is out of love, not out of love. So at his baptism, Jesus was symbolically promising what he would do for you. He would fulfill the law, keep the law that you could never keep. So we have John speaking to Jesus. And we have Jesus speaking to John. And then lastly, we have the Father speaking about the Son. Look at verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well See what happened when Jesus went up out of the River Jordan. There's immediately a visible and an audible sign of God's pleasure with his Son. I say that deliberately because we've been learning in our catechism classes about how the ordinances of church communion and baptism are visible signs that accompany the spoken word, the audible sign, the preaching of the gospel, a visible and an audible sign of God's pleasure. 
And here we see the Trinity of the Godhead in the New Testament. God the Son coming up out of the water. God the Holy Spirit descending upon the Son. God the Father speaking his approval of the Son. All three acting together at the same time, co-equal and co-eternal. Here we have the Trinity working at the same time, co-eternal. And so the heavens opened. The Bible doesn't explain this any further. It doesn't tell us whether the sky opened or whether Jesus and John were given some kind of a special vision of heaven. It just tells us that the heavens opened and the Spirit descended. Now be careful with this. Look carefully at the text. The Spirit of God descending like a dove. We sometimes see pictures of the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. That's not so. It seemed that it was like a dove and the Holy Spirit descended. It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit looks like a dove. This manner of his descent was similar to the descent of a dove. The Holy Spirit himself came down and lit upon the Lord and the voice of God was heard. A great word of divine approval, of approbation of Jesus. This is my son, the eternal son of the Father, begotten, not created, eternally generated by the Father. This is my beloved son. See the relationship of love that exists between the persons of the Godhead. Love consists in God. God demonstrates what love is. God created love. God invented love, if you like. Before the world was created, there was the love between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God the Father loves the Son. God the Son loves the Father. The Father and the Son love God the Holy Ghost. All love consists in God, for God is love. If you want a definition of love, it is the triune God. And he demonstrates that love for us at the cross. God has demonstrated his love for us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Love isn't some woolly concept, postmodern terminology with no meaning. Love is love. That's nonsense. Love is definable and it's contained and it is contained within the definition of love given by God himself in his word. This is my son. My beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Isaiah 42, one of the servant songs. Isaiah says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Father speaks by the Son. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. In Jesus, God has spoken to man, finally spoken. 
Hebrews 1. It says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. So you can see that the baptism of Jesus is a very important event. Jesus showing us how he would fulfill the law of God for sinners. God showing us the divine approval of his son, his work, his ministry, his atoning work. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.